He's back like a bad rash. Legendary broadcaster, Drew Marshall. Well, folks, best known as the award-winning producer, creator, and star of the hit TV series Survivor Man, Les Stroud is the only producer in the history of television to produce an internationally broadcast series entirely written, videotaped, and hosted alone. With Les, known as the original genre creator of Survival TV, Survivor Man is one of the highest-rated shows in the history of OLA in Canada, the Science Channel U.S., Discovery Channel U.S., and remains the highest-rated repeat show on the Discovery Channel. It's been nominated for 12 Canadian Screen Awards, formerly uh, the Geminis, and uh, Les has made numerous talk show appearances, including... Uh, Ellen, The View, uh, Late Night with Jimmy Fallon, Craig Ferguson, love that guy, Larry King Live, and The Hour with Strombo. Uh, What a great guy. Actually, uh, should be heading down to Strombo's show in the next couple of weeks, so looking forward to seeing him again. During their 2010 Royal Tour of Canada, Les was invited by the Prime Minister of Canada to meet the Queen of England. I hope he didn't do that like Mr. Bean. Did you ever see that episode? Hallelujah. <laughs> he know what you mean, yeah. He knocked her out when he bowed. Yes, he did. Just he a had a problem with his fly. And <laughs> anyway, I'm sure this guy uh, didn't have a problem with his fly. Les Stroud. Wow. Did I just introduce Les Stroud by talking about his fly? That can was I, great. Can I just break it away and say, this music that we're hearing is, is Les. Really? Les? Show. Les, is that you playing in the background? That is music from Survivor Man. Absolutely. I can, I, I can tell you got the bio sitting in front of you, don't you? Uh, oh, I do everything I can to make sure I suck up to the guest as proficiently as possible prior to the interview. Okay. We better, we better mention that I actually won the Canadian Screen Award last year for Best Writer, which is one of my proudest moments. Well done. Well done. Les Stroud, ladies and gentlemen. This is how you define narcissism. Created by Les Stroud. Written by Les Stroud. Directed by Les Stroud. Starring Les Stroud. Executive producer Les Stroud. Cinematography Les Stroud. Camera set up Les Stroud. Wow. Yeah, do you remember, do you remember in, back in the 70s, there was a show on Canadian television called Party Game, or sorry, called uh, Hilarious House of Frankenstein. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and, uh, the guy from Hamilton. Remember that? Yeah. Yeah, and if you ever, if you ever watched the last credits, uh, there was actually Billy Van. Was Billy Van. About 23 times, because he played all the parts, except <laughs> for maybe two of them. <laughs> yeah, Billy Van was a serious hero, man. I mean, that was some great bits on that show, for sure. First of all, congratulations. Well done. You go, you Canadian guy, you. Um, you know, we're, we're behind you. We're proud of you. Fantastic. And I think one of the things that really works for people are these Blair Witch scenes that you create. Well, I just think they're kind of creepy and intriguing. And you got a good hook, man. Thank you. Well, it's, it's you know, it, it had to be what it what it was and what it is. Or it, or, uh, it, it could never have been. I mean, there was no other way to make it. Uh, and, and let it be what it is without just simply going with the flow. And, and, and yeah, I ended up looking, it's got that Blair Witch uh, angle to it, uh, for sure. Yeah, it's kind of like Blair Witch meets Tarzan. I don't know. <laughs> okay, now I know people ask you all these questions all the time. I've watched a few interviews with you in them, so so let's get through some of this stuff. Tell me your top five almost. Now, don't tell me the heat stroke story or the chase by the jag or almost puking with the sago larva. Just your, your, your top five almost. I almost this happened or almost that happened or holy cow, I almost almost top five almost oh man you know of course you stole my thunder on a couple of them but um that's great i, I think uh, and you're quite right it, it, i do end up getting a lot of the same sort of like what's the grossest thing you eat and what's the best thing you ever eat, that sort of thing almost you talking about survivor man only am i limited to survivor man I no 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 you can do life you can do your whole stinking life in this question. oh you didn't tell me that okay give me a second to breathe hang on all right let's let's start with uh i i almost 
uh, had an incredibly successful career as a rock star when I was 23. Yeah, I can imagine uh, you. On to the next I, one, or do I, do I have to give explanation? Um, no, no. Well, no, Leah, a little explanation, because I'm sorry. I forget there's people listening. I know these details, but go ahead for the, the ignorant people that are listening right now. Oh, well, at that age, uh, I was <laughs> writing for record companies uh, in, in Toronto and, and uh, uh, had the, the musical sort of world uh, oyster, you know, oyster at my doorstep there, sort of thing. Um, and stuff was being shopped at Springsteen. And, and, uh, but uh, I, didn't, I didn't let it happen. So that was the first almost. Do you want some more? Yes, please. Yes, please. Uh, I, let's see. Ooh, on a darker level, I, I, I hmm, let me think on it. Let me, while you're thinking, let me fill the air with this, okay? Let me fill the air with... I, like the toughest questions I've ever got. Well, good. This is going to be good. I almost uh, became a firefighter. I had the train. I had these courses. I scored off the charts in the physical and this, that, and the other. A fire and explosion investigation, high-level lo- ropes rescue. Uh, I don't know. They just go on and on and on. But I couldn't get on at the time because I wasn't a gay, black, cripple female. They had the minority. Uh, yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah. Well, I, I almost became a teacher. I actually was accepted to teacher's college at Ryerson. Um, Ryerson or Senec? I can't remember. One of those places. Uh, and uh, so I almost became a teacher. Okay. All right. Uh, uh, that almost happened. Um, okay, let's hold on. Let's change gears. What's your favorite scar? <laughs> favorite scar? Oh, uh, it's going to be the shark bite. <laughs> <laughs> How many people do you know that could say that? Was that when you were feeding them uh, by hand? It was, as a matter of fact. You know, ironically, I was talking about a scar just a few days ago. For the first time in, in, in 30 years, we had a little Mimico reunion of, of the boys, you know, the guys, the, the high school gang, and nine guy, eight guys came up to my house, some guys I haven't seen in almost 30 years. And, I, and, I, and one of the guys, I said, I said, take a look at that. I said, you see that? And it was a, there's a scar on my left ring finger. And, and, it's like, and I said, you know what that scar is from? I said, that scars from when, when you and I were 12 years old at your house, sleeping together, you know, like just a couple of 12-year-old boys hanging out together, sleeping in the same bed, and your stupid alarm clock went off in the morning so loud, and I reached up and I grabbed the alarm clock, clock and I ripped my finger wide open with blood all over the bed. I said, that scar is still there. <laughs> that's a scar, that's like the silliest, stupidest scar I could ever have, but I'll never forget it. And I remember the song that went off. It was Led Zeppelin Immigrant Song. It blared really loud when it went off. <laughs> I'll never forget that. So was, but the other, but my coolest scar, you can hardly see, it's on, it's on my knuckle, um, although the whole forearm went up into the shark's mouth but the only i had a, the chain mail suit on the only scar that's still there is this little scar on my knuckle it's not big enough to impress the ladies at the no. bar with but i can't favorite tat um obviously on me you mean yeah um, <laughs> <laughs> yes i'm gonna i'm gonna say uh, absolutely without even without even hesitation i mean i'm sure I, I probably should say the one i got of my two kids to remind me of two kids, but actually, of course, it was it was getting done with a stick and a nail in the jungle in Indonesia yeah. uh, by a shaman, and uh, I've got one on each shoulder, and I actually own and brought home with me his tattooing kit, and it's probably the last t- tattooing kit to ever be made by the Mentui tribe in the jungle. So, wow. Uh, wow. Crazy, crazy stuff. Um, what would you have changed less about Stranded, you know, pre-Survivor Man? Oh, I, I suppose... My ability uh, on camera. I was I was so you know so 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 green at, at. I mean, I've always been a good presenter and a good talker and, and and love the stage. But but you know when I listen to my narration, I just cringe. Now, mind you, I've done the narration since, but my original narration is horrible, and I'm so 
you know, when you first do narration, so if, if anybody's out there and they want to get into doing narrating and stuff like that, here's a big no-no. Don't speak with perfect articulation and perfect grammar. It's the stupidest thing you ever heard. Yeah. You know, no one, no one says, it is, and I will. No, we no. say, it's and all. Yep. You know, and, and at first I used to say, it is, and I will. Oh, <laughs> and no. so I changed all that, you know. That's awkward. That'd be like watching um, uh, Fraser Crane on uh, you know out in, the, out in the bush. You know, listening to that rubbish. Yeah, yeah. doesn't work. Doesn't yeah. work man, no. so I, I I hate going back to st- now. Mind you, when I do watch Stranded, Stranded as well as Snowshoes and Solitude, um, which I rarely watch, but I did watch again just re- first time in seven years. I watched it the other day, mm. which was uh, my wife, my ex-wife, and I out in the bush. Um, I'm still very proud of of the filmmaking storytelling I did. It's like you know what. That still holds up. I'm, that's good, you know. Good. I'm, I'm, I'm proud of that. It's good, you know. But but watching myself or listening to myself narrate, no, I can't. That's almost. I have to turn the sound off. Yeah. Um, what What would be um, if you and Aaron Ralston had to sit down in a pint? Uh, would you have given him some uh, some better advice prior to his his going out and and proceeding to having to hack his arm <laughs> off to, to to stay alive? Uh, well, well, prior to going out, absolutely. I mean, I mean, the reality was it was the whole, you know. Uh, I haven't told anybody scenario, right? And, and it was the same thing with Christmas Candles and Into the Wild. I don't know if you saw that movie. No. Uh, I read the book, the John Krakauer book. That was the movie Sean Penn directed. Uh, um, oh, right, 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 and, yeah. Uh, yeah, I remember Into the Wild. You yep. know, the guy dies yep. on the bus at the end. Same thing there. You know, you know it's, it's about, it's, it's, it's about our, our arrogance, really. I mean, uh, I wrote a book, uh, sorry, a shameless plug, but I wrote a book called Will to Live where I dissect all these different stories. And I, I dissected... Um, Chris McCandles, I did not dissect Aaron Ralston simply because it was a short story. It's only a four-day story. Mm. And I wanted stories that had, a, had an arc to them of time that, that people had to survive over a period of time and perish. And so I dissected Chris McCandles' story. And, you know, in the end, um, a lot of these guys, it's that whole sort of, they're very charming, really good with the ladies, uh, but short on skill. Mm. And or short on, you know, the humility. And in Aaron's case, it's like, why didn't you let a lot of people know, you know, and, and, and just it doesn't take much other than a phone call. Hey, man, I'm going from here to there. If I'm not back by 8 p.m., could be something wrong. Look into it, you know, and that would be the biggest piece of advice. Folks, on the phone with Lester Out, Survivor Man, very proud of this guy, the way he's represented Canada. And, man, there's so many uh, cool stories that you've come out with as a result of all these crazy things that you've done. Very lucky. I want to actually get a piece of advice. I know everybody does this to you, but I'm going to do the same thing. So if you come across a bear in the middle of the woods, when I used to live up in the um, in the Sierra Nevadas, that if you came across grizzly, you just uh, make a whole lot of noise and they'll turn and run away. Except the guys who told me the story also told me the story of when they did that, and the bear simply turned around and got up on his hind legs and screamed louder at the guys, and they ran away. So what do you do if you come yeah. across a bear? You run downhill because their front legs are shorter? Do you curl up in a ball so they don't get your guts? What do you do? Yeah, well, you got to qualify the question, though. You know, grizzly bear, polar bear, black bear, right? And that's the, that's the difference. Polar bear, you pray. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, black bear, you attempt to intimidate and scare away and make noise and seem bigger. Yeah. Grizzly bear, you just... Really calmly and gently back away, walk away, do not look. It's, it's a grizzly, you know, you, you, you're not going to scare the grizzly. There's a great book, Bear, Bear Attacks, Their Causes and Avoidances, by Stephen Herrero, I think is his name. Wonderful book, and it really lays it out better than anybody has. Um, but yes, blacks, you can intimidate. Grizzlies, you can't, so don't even try. But they don't really want you. 
Four bears, your lunch. (laughs) In the movie Alive, would you be the first guy to maybe suggest mowing down? Mm -mm. I don't think I'd be the first guy to suggest it, but I would definitely not have a problem being one of the guys to join in and do it. It would be like... I'll wait and see if someone else was going to say this. <laughs> it's, that, it's like you know, you know that it's like that line in the Pirates of the Caribbean. I'm just saying it. Everybody's thinking it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll let the American yeah. guy in the group uh, suggest it first, and then uh, we'll see how it goes. Right. And then we go for it. The polite Canadians will join the supper table, but we just start. <laughs> you know, when I was younger, I was just ridiculously uh, huge into Tom Brown and uh, everything that he wrote. And uh, I actually had a friend of mine that used me as a as a tracker, and I would flush out birds for him and then lay down real quick while he shot. Um, did you ever get into Tom Brown stuff? I know Tom Brown stuff uh, very well, um, and it's you know it's it's one of those uh, I cannot speak from having gone and trained with him or having met him, but I know lots of friends that have, and I've, I've got his books and read his books. Yeah, um, and it's one of those situations where you got to be careful with the baby in the bathwater thing because you know the baby is in his message. His message is wonderful and beautiful and terrific. It, personally speaking, can't speak to a lot of controversy about the man. There is always controversy was anyway swirling about him on various levels um, and you know stuff that comes firsthand from people I know hmm. however as I said in terms of the baby in the bathwater you know the message is terrific now apparently this guy had the ability to be able to descent himself and lay down beside a deer track reach out and touch the deer and the deer never know do you do you believe that no okay now when I say no I'm not saying it's not possible I'm just saying that, 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 that there's a lot of claims to stuff like that. And, and that's uh, the, the over-romanticizing of who we are as wilderness trackers. Um, it's like, it's there. It's like the power of, of you know, I don't know. It's just, our, our, oh boy, very me- metaphysical abilities and stuff. I, I totally know that they're there. I just think a lot of people claim them because they kind of wish they could. And, yeah. and you know, I, I know people say like, will say to me, oh, I saw, you know, this, I saw Bigfoot, I saw, but what they really meant was they saw some sort of tracks, and they kind of crafted this story in their mind, and by the time they told it seven times, they tell it to me, it really just comes out as, I saw him, you know, yeah. but you didn't know what you, you saw was, you saw it in your mind, how it could have worked out, and that's very misleading, and I think a lot of people do that, I mean, I, I again, I, I, I agree with uh, uh, metaphysical um, happenings, and I, and I have no problem accepting them. I just think a lot of us like to tell our stories with a little bit of embellishment, and then, because, you know, and we know how the other person's actually going to hear what we say, and we know what they hear is not what we mean, but yeah. we're okay with that. You know? Les Stroud on the phone with us, Survivor Man. The website is lesstroud.ca. And by the way, his third book, Beyond Survivor Man, just launched into stores this month, so you want to get your grubby hands on, on that book as soon as possible. Here's one of the reasons I kind of dig what you do is because you're into the de-romanticization, if that's a real word, of this whole thing. You know, you're not, you're not like, it, for example, you know, people coming up to you going, you know, I can do what you do. And your response is, yeah, heck yeah, of course you can. Like, this is, right. that's not rocket science. But you got to get weirded out a little bit at, like that Scarborough guy back in 010 who, who said he learned stuff by watching your show and then he goes out and dies of hypothermia north of Huntsville. What the heck is that? But again, like you just said, I like to demystify the situation. Did I, did I get weirded out about it? No, I didn't. I'll tell you why. Look a little deeper into it. 
you know, it turns out that the man was, um, you know, living in the basement of a church lady, and his only job was cleaning up around the church, and, and then you finally had this issue and that issue, and you realize, okay, you know, he was probably slightly intellectually disabled, and, and, and you know, you start putting some of that math together, and you realize, oh, okay, yeah, exactly, I see. exactly. You know, uh, that's, that's the, not, not, not the sensational headline of, you know, man watches TV show, goes out and dies. It's like, no. hang on, no. hang on, let's get the details here. Yeah, yeah well said again. Okay, so when you're out there all by yourself alone, first of all, I love being alone. It's one of my favorite things to do. I spend most of August, half of September, by myself at the cottage. And when I'm alone, finally, eventually, comes a thinning. C.S. Lewis would talk about the Celts would find these places called thin places where the great gap between the creator and the created thins out. And, and I'm always in search of these places. I went over to Stonehenge and, and Iona and Holy Island and, I, I, you know, these great uh, travels that I've been fortunate to do. And I guess as I look back, I guess I'm trying to find these thin places. With you being who you are and doing what you do, I would imagine that thin places, or that, that like the spiritual moments or whatever you want to call them, probably are a little hard to come by when you're worried about setting up three different cameras. Well, yeah, and, and this is it, but, you know, this being it is also how I discovered what I can be and who I am and, and how I approach these things. And that is, for me, it's always been walking that, that line and that balance being right in between the two worlds. Like, it's almost like, it's almost like what I do as a career is, is skating along that thin edge, in that thin place you describe. Because part of me, like, for example, in doing the Beyond Survival television series, and, and as you've probably read in the book, um, part of me is saying, okay, let go. Let it go. Experience this. Yeah. What is it? What am I going to, am I going to, am I going to trance out? Am I going to feel this thing? Am I going to see God? Am I going to see the ancients? What, what's going to happen here? And then this other pragmatic side, you know, kicks in and it's like, but I'm also here trying to capture this story, my story on, you know, on, on a on digital card to present to the world. And I have to think about camera angles and what are the camera people over there doing and what, who's doing what? And is it, are we getting it right? Are we getting the story? Have they got an angle on my face? Okay. Have they get, mm. And it's a crazy place. It's a very difficult, um, uh, unforgiving place for me to be because I want both. And, and, um, uh, and that part is, is hard to maintain. I, I struggled so much with that, but I do believe in the end I kind of found my place to be, you know. And I, I, the best, best thing, Drew, a lot of times is if I can turn, like I went down and did ayahuasca in, in Peru again, but on my own without any cameras. Mm. Different, different thing altogether, you know. So I can do that, but at the same token, you know, I'm able to, to kind of share the story of it and tell it. And tell it like it is. I mean, when you talk about, it looks like you seek for these, you seek these, these thin places out as, as, as do I. Um, and I think in the end, that's what a lot of this is about. It's, 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 it's almost like giving credence to, to every opportunity and every possibility it is to discover uh, God, if you will, or discover rea- what, what our reality is. You know, bottom line is we're just not going to know while we're here yeah. in flesh and blood, but yeah. we can try to come close. You know? Okay, but hold on. So you've performed four trance dances, exhumed two bodies, received uh, two uh, shaman tattoos, one Zulu uh, scarification, and a Sri Lankan demon exorcism. By the way, don't put that on your Lava Life profile. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I know. That's my, what's my bucket list, right? Yeah, yeah. So with all of those things, 
uh, which I would give a left leg for to to experience all that stuff. Did you get it? Did you feel? Did you smell it? Did, could you? Was it was it tangible? Because my frustration with the other is the lack of tangibility. I've been very yeah. frustrated with the the lack, and it's probably my own fault. I don't know, whatever. But the lack of tangible relational encounter with the other, and I I I'm I get I'm no longer convinced that 100 percent convinced that there is the other, but I I can't stop searching for. It. For it, and when I keep saying yeah. the other, I I just mean the spiritual, the 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 supernatural, the the God. And if there is a creator, a God, man, I wish I could I could just chomp down on that. Yeah, yeah, and drive yourself crazy thinking about it too. <laughs> yeah. uh, I think I think that year of doing all of those things for the series Beyond Survival was like a year long vision quest for me. Really, if, if which I tell the story all about it, you'll see that in the end. Uh, sorry, I'm going to tangent a little bit for you here, but it was like when I stopped at the end, and, and I didn't ever stop, but when I looked back from the end of it all, I could see such a beautiful transitional vision quest that was arbitrarily organized but laid itself out perfectly for me. Now, was this because... Uh, am I am I putting power suggestion into this? No, this is actually how it worked out. So, for example, when I started doing the first ceremonies, the first one was a scarification and the Zulu thing, and and I I had a production manager who laid out you know the how where we got to fly to and when we're doing this and that. All the first ceremonies I had for the first three months, every divine healer and shaman that I dealt with said to me the words. You're on a great journey, and I'm preparing you. You're on a great journey, and I'm protecting you. Throughout most of all of the middle section, nobody said that anymore. Hmm. But I struggled and had inroads and outroads and fell away and, oh, I get this. I struggled, and it was like process. At the very end, after, especially after Peru, when I was getting the tattooing done, when I showed up there, nobody said anything to these shamans. And they looked at me, and they, and, and they did everything with me as if I was a, quote-unquote, visiting shaman. I'm not a shaman. But they just looked at me and just, they, did, they never said to me, oh, we need to protect you for your journey. We need, we need to prepare you for journey. They never said to you, let's do this and walk you through this process. They simply said, hey, look at you, visiting shaman. All right, let's do our dances together. That was it. And when you look at that whole thing, you'd say, oh, it's just coincidental. Is it coincidental? First of all, preparation, protection, process, and finally arrival. It was a beautiful experience. And... Yet it was all laid out arbitrarily. So to me, I don't look at that as coincidental at all. Like you, I, um, I still, I still, there was so much struggle. I learned that you know, I think that different, all of us, every single one of us, needs to come to our our spiritual understanding through different means. I, I now I'm going to be really careful with this. I believe there are there are. That's how we call it beginner levels uh, where where we we need our training wheels on, and I think a lot of that might be within you know orthodox uh religion uh, I think is is like a bit of that okay I think that for example, certain ways to break through in our understanding is done through abstinence, things like uh vision quests with native cultures right. i haven't really gone that way then there's meditation the, med- the 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 monks and so on they can do it through meditation i've tried it doesn't doesn't really work that way eventually for me, what kind of parted the veil uh of my uh, having as much understanding as my little brain can have was actually plant medicine ceremonies in Peru. And it felt like I'm such a stubborn individual. That was finally the time where it went like, 
punch. I could do like, just like punch part. And I was like, oh, wow. Okay. And we're not talking about hallucinogenics and getting high. We're talking about something much deeper. Hold on. Are you talking about the stuff that Sting used to take that uh, made you puke and then you get, you get, you became, you get, it kind of went into this spiritual other world? I guess I am. Ayahuasca and San Pedro ceremonies. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. And you know, and the reason why I would say yes, no, I'm answering honestly, and why, you know, be, before people go, oh, great, so he drank some cactus juice and got high. Oh, I get it. Well, that's just stupid. No, 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 no. What I'm saying here, hear me out. Everybody's different. Everybody needs different catalysts to, to seek and to find. And it just so happens that that is that's one of the catalysts. Uh, we're not talking about you know dropping peyote and, and doing a mushroom high. We're talking about something much different. And and uh, with a proper divine healer or a shaman, and that's where I went. That's where I, and that's where I finally hit a place where I went, oh boy, this is kind of starting to make sense to me now. You know, man, I have a great fear that that's what it's going to take for me because <laughs> I. It's got to be that stuff where I, uh, you know, where you I get. Gotta, you know, I, I I read the I read the bio on you before this interview, and you know what? I saw that in the in what I read. It's like you're you're stubborn as hell, you know, <laughs> and your 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 mentality is stubborn as hell, and your and your your intellect is stubborn. I, I remember I, I had a, a driver when when I was getting, you know, I'd get a car sent by the network or something, and I had this one driver all the time named Baram, and he was a Sufi, and oh, it was so awesome! I hop in the car and and we'd drive for a little bit, and then he'd go, uh, uh, Les, how is your life or we go how is how is your heart today and we get into this two hour discussion and he was just but he had great stuff he said you know when you let reason and ego drive the car and you throw the heart in the spirit in the back seat it's just not going to lead to the right place and he was right you know and that's where you're at you've got you, you know ego is driving your car reason is driving your car so what's it going to take to get reason and ego into the back seat? And for me, those ceremonies, after many other ceremonies, and I have been, you know, uh, um, I would say I would still consider myself a Christian, for example. I was born again Christian for a long time when I was younger. I, when I was 16, I decided to try Catholicism because my best friend was a Catholic, and certainly agnosticism, and then all these trans dances and things that you've read about. But it was, it was going to Peru and going through proper uh, ayahuasca and San Pedro ceremonies that finally... Punch through the punch through the veil, or part of the veil. That's uh, not what I think, yeah. Dude, all I, I I have so many stupid questions, but we got to go to the other thing in the show. And uh, you're killing me. I didn't mean to. I didn't mean to command the conversation. No, like that, you, no, no, no. It, I'm only frustrated from the point of view that now I, you know, new on my bucket list is to sit down and have a pint and, and talk about more of this stuff with you. So, frig. Done. All right, well, listen, as I said off the top, congratulations, way to go. Everybody I talk to thinks you're the bomb in this book. I mean, uh, it's your third one, Beyond Survivor Man. Uh, folks, you got to get it. LesStroud.ca, LesStroud.ca, Survivor Man. Uh, what season is it now? Uh, just started January 1st, season 5? Oh, so, yeah, so we, we've got to, I don't even know what number season. I don't even work that way. It's really just <laughs> new shows. I New contract, let's go out and make it. Remember, I'm still doing it for real, right? Yeah. We've got me and my son, Survivor Man and Son, two new episodes that nice. are coming up in this in season. Nice. Uh, the new book, as you say, I've signed a record deal, and I'm launching a, a, an album and a, and a tour very soon with my music. Are you going to have a line um, of soaps? <laughs> <laughs> you know, that whole part of the celebrity of all of this, I'm like, ah. 
if it's good, good and it goes and it doesn't cause me stress, let's do it. It's fun. But, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm doing fine. So it's not about, oh, how can I capitalize and make tons of money off Survivor Man? Hey, it's a great brand. I have a lot of fun when I do yeah. what I do. Uh, I got a line of knives out. But most importantly for me is to do what you and I are talking about. Yeah. And that's to make this world a better place, man. It's to, it's to create a positive influence in people's lives. Dude, so appreciated the time. Really appreciate it, Les. Thanks. My pleasure. Let's do it again sometime. Okay. Les Stroud, folks. Survivor Man on the Drew Marshall Show. We'll be right back.